something about when a child of God knows that the palm of their, that, that you rest in the palm of God's hand see there's something different about a child of God that walks like that there's something different about a child of God that knows that God is in control of everything that means when any situation or circumstance that comes my way that isn't favorable toward me, I can still remember the word of the Lord that says all things work together for good. Amen. That means the good, the bad, and the ugly. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how high it seems, how low it is. It doesn't matter how big it is, how small it is, how much it's affecting my bank account, and how much it's not affecting my bank account. It doesn't matter what comes, it doesn't matter what goes. My God is still in control. You start to walk a little bit different. You start to talk a little bit different. Somebody walks up to you and says, hey, how you doing? None of this, man, I'm just barely hanging on. I was telling my wife this just a couple days ago. It's so easy. It's so easy in the good times to say God is good and then also to turn around to other people and say, hey, come on, man, God is good. It's easy when you're going through something or when you're not going through something for you to look at somebody else and say, hey, man, pick your head up. It's easy. It's easy when you... When you got money in the bank, when you got food in your fridge, when you got gas in your tank, to look at somebody that's going through some things and say, hey, bro, God's still in control, man. God's still on the throne, but it's a whole nother thing when you ain't got money in your bank account and you ain't got fruit in your fridge and you don't know how you're going to make it to look at somebody and say, God is still in control. See, that's where faith is tested right there. It ain't tested when you're on the mountaintop, but it's tested when you're in the valley low. It's tested when you ain't got to die to your name. It's tested when the report comes back from the doctor that says it's terminal. Can you still look at it in the face and say, God is in control? I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how far gone it seems. Mary... Martha, I'm still in control. I know it's four days later. I know you think that it's past due. But baby, when I show up on the scene, everything I could... When I show up to the graveside, we ain't more than anybody, baby. This is a resurrection. We're about to party up in here. sad stories to tell I ain't got no sad stories to tell that's what one elder told me one time all I said was how you doing I ain't got no sense did he have sad stories to tell I bet you he did but first lady he didn't let it control his outcome he didn't let it dictate his mood he didn't let it dictate his relationships Somebody look at your neighbor and give him a high five and tell him God's still in control. No, no, no. Find, find the other neighbor that believes you. Find somebody until they agree with you and say, hey, God's in control. God's in control. Hey, you know what? The government isn't in control. The banks aren't in control. Even Satan himself isn't in control. I know he's the little G God of this world. But he still has to answer to the master. I know 
he can dictate a few things down here on the earth. But I feel like Job right now where the Bible says, he said you can touch everything around him, but you can't have his body. You can take everything from him. You can strip him of his dignity. But baby, you better not touch his body. Somebody ought to run back on the enemy and say, you may have taken everything from me. You may have taken every dime. You may have taken every ounce of dignity, every ounce of honor that I have. But you can't have my soul. I'm still sick. Somebody ought to look the devil in the face and say, I'm still standing. You tried to knock me down last week. You tried to take me out last month. But look at here, baby. I'm still standing. I may be bruised. I may be bad. But I'm still standing on my feet. And as long as I've got breath in my body, you will have to contend. Yes! Hey, hey, hey! My God! I said he's still in control. I said he's still in control. Somebody make your way back to your seats. That's all right, if you feel like you got to give God praise, you got to give him praise right now. I ain't going to stop you. Woo! Hey! Thank you, Jesus. He holds my world in the palm of his hands. My times, my seasons. Somebody ought to let a little faith rise in you right now. Somebody ought to let a little faith rise in you. Yeah, yeah, you can go ahead and stir that up a little bit. You can go ahead and stir that up a bit. Woo! Hey, 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 hey! I'm still here. I'm still here. I may have been knocked down. I may have fallen flat on my face. But I'm still here. If it had not been for the grace and the mercy of God, I don't know where I'd be. I can tell you where I could be. I could be six feet under. I could be in a jailhouse. I could be in a psych ward. But I'm still standing. I may not have it all together. Jesus, Jesus. Hey! Man, this ain't what I'm preaching. I don't want to get stuck here, but I feel like there's some people that need a little bit of pick-me-up right now. Woo! See, victory isn't... The interesting thing about victory is that it's not supposed to stay a mountaintop experience. It is a mountaintop experience. You're on top of the world, right? You've got victory. You're dancing on the devil's head. You've got money in the bank account. Everything's going smooth. But victory is a mindset that you take from the mountain down into the valley. It's something that you take from the mountaintop and you bring it down into the valley with you so that when you're walking through the valley, the shadow of the valley of death, and there's destruction on every side, and there's death all around you, and you can smell defeat, and there's people laying by the wayside, people that were with you at one point, but now they're not here. You can still say, I shall not fear. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know that you're with me. Still got victory. I know that I'm still a child of God. 
Come on, somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Woo! Come on, you can make your way back to your seats this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm thankful to be in God's house. I'm thankful to be in God's house this morning. Amen. I want to invite you to turn with me into the word of the Lord, Matthew chapter 14. I do not want to delay any more this morning. I feel like God has given me a word for this house. As I was preparing for this, I feel like God spoke to me a couple weeks ago. And as I was preparing for this earlier this week, I like to type everything out, write everything down. I feel like God's given me. And as I began to compile everything into one concise sermon, if you will, I felt like I could not get any direction. My mind was literally going in 12 different ways. And I was saying, man, God, how do you want me to approach this? How do you want me to say this? What do you want me to deal with? And then I feel like God just kind of reminded me that when I gave you this word, all hell was breaking out in your life. So I don't want you to sermonize. I don't want you to put anything together. I want you to just give it the way that I gave it to you. And so if you're okay this morning, I'm just going to deliver my heart. I don't have any fancy notes. I don't have anything, any deep revelation. I just feel like ministering in this house, if that's okay. I count it an honor to be behind this pulpit. Counted an honor to be in this house with you wonderful saints. There would be no rock church if there was no saints. So I honor you today. I'm thankful that you've joined us. I honor my bishop and first lady for everything that they do for this city, for this house. I look up to you guys and I honor you and I thank you. Book of Matthew chapter number 14. Verse number 17 and 18. Two simple passages of scripture. And they say unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. And he said, this is how simple it is. He said, bring them hither to me. Bring them hither to me. With the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to deliver my heart this morning to some people. That feel. Like there's no hope left. See we could have left it. A few minutes ago right where we were at. But the truth is first lady is that even through all that exhortation and even though. We stirred up all that faith and we got excited. There are still people in this house that need something from God. <clears throat> and so I want to talk to us for just a moment from this simple thought. Bread and fish in the master's hands. Bread and fish in the master's hands. Would you lay your Bibles down, lift your hands with me one more time before we're seated. Lord, we need you in this place right now. God, I pray that you would speak to your people. God, help me to deliver the word that you gave me. God, help me to deliver it the way that you gave it to me. I will give you all praise, glory, and honor. Touch every mind, touch every heart in this house. God, help us to be not only hearers, but doers of your word. In the name of Jesus, everyone said in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. On October 28th, 1886, President Grover Cleveland would deliver a simple yet powerful statement that would change the course of history as we know it. We will not forget that liberty has here made her home. From this moment on and from this simple statement... New York City would become the epitome of freedom to the millions of travelers that graced her shores. 
As they crested the waves surrounding Ellis Island, many immigrants would stand on the bow of the ship, peer through the misty fog of New York, and look out and see a statue standing off in the distance. Clara Larson remembered this day clearly when, as a child immigrant, only 13 years old, from Russia to America, she recalled seeing people screaming and crying and dancing on the deck of the ship because they had finally made it to America. What was their sign? What was the thing that set it off in their minds that they were finally to the land of the free and the home of the brave? It was the famous Lady Liberty, a symbol of hope, a symbol of freedom. And just like Clara Larson, millions of other immigrants would soon make the journey from their respective countries in search of the freedom that America brought. Many arrived to America with extreme illness and malnourishment, some of them traveling upwards of 12 days with little to no sleep, weathering storms and pirates. They continued on and made their way to the shores of America. Many of them had no idea what they were going to see once they got here. They had no clue what awaited them. All they knew was that if they could get there. However, even in their uncertainty, even in sickness and witness and weakness, they understood one thing. If I can just get to New York City, I'll have a chance to make my life something great. Many of them came with nothing but a knapsack and a dream, but it was all that they needed. The inscription on the Statue of Liberty would be a message for the entire world that there is hope here in America. A portion of the inscription reads like this. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. This statement right here would become the statement of the green lady. It would become what she was known for. This would be the loud cry that she would ring out from her island on a daily basis. Bring me your brokenness. If you can just get to me, you'll have a chance at freedom. So this morning, you may not be in the market for civil liberty. And you may not be looking for freedom from political oppression. But I'm here today to tell you that there is freedom in this house nonetheless. We live in America, yes, and I'm grateful. But that is not the freedom that I'm talking about. And while we don't have a green statue lighting our way to liberty in this house, I'm here to tell you that we do have a Savior that is standing right here at the front of this altar with his arms wide open, ready to receive anyone that's traveling, weary, weak, broken, busted, disgusted, looking for freedom. You may have physical freedom. You may have hope because of the country that you live in. But today I'm offering you spiritual freedom and rest for your soul. I want to say that I am thankful for the country that I live in. And I'm thankful for the liberties that we experience on a daily basis. I'm thankful that we have the freedom to worship. I, we, see, we take that for granted here in the United States of America. But when you witness or when you see people receiving Bibles in other country and they cling to those Bibles and they weep over them because they have not had the word of God, it should bring a different perspective to our thinking. But our Western culture has, has drowned it so much and has minimized the power of the word of God. Can I just tell somebody today that this book that you have in your possession I don't care how old it is. I don't care how big or how small it is. I don't care how much money you spent on it or how little you spent on it. This is the word of God, and it is powerful, and it is precious, and we should treat it as nothing less. I'm thankful for the house of God. I'm thankful for the people of God. I'm thankful for the word of God. But let me tell you something. It will never compare Freedom, physical freedom, 
will never compare to being spiritually free and having liberty in the Holy Ghost. Are there any witnesses in the house that can testify that once I was blind, but now I see? Once I was bound in chains, but now I'm free. Are there any ex-drug addicts that can stand and, and testify that I used to be strung out on the street? Are there any ex-alcoholics that can testify and say, I used to spend every last dime at the liquor store? Are there any ex-prostitutes that can stand and testify that I used to give my body to this world, but today I'm standing in the house of God, and I'm in my right mind, and I'm free from sin and chains? Well, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I'm not only free to worship. I'm not only free to live the American dream, but that I'm free from all oppression and that I'm free from all sin and shame. My message to you is not just to make it to America. My message to you is not if you can just get to our sandy beaches and if you can just make it to one of our shining coasts that you can make a difference in your life and in your family's life. My message to you is simply this. If you can get it to Jesus, then he'll work everything out. Oh, yeah. It's so simple. If you can just get it to Jesus, then everything else will work out. There are people in this house that life has beaten you up. Life has pushed you down. Life has knocked you down to the ground. And you feel like you don't know which way is up, which way is down, which way you're coming, or which way you're going. You're debating whether or not this life even makes sense. If this is even a viable option for you or your family. I'm here to tell you that this right here is the best life. It's the only life worth living. This house is is the safe house I don't care no amount of government assistance no amount of government programming no amount of public schooling no amount of anything that this world has to offer will ever come in comparison will ever come close to what is in this place to the freedom that you feel in this house. To the liberty that comes when you're baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. I'm here to tell you today that even though you may be knocked to the ground. And even though you may have the wind knocked out of you. And you don't feel like you can make it another day. And everything around you is telling you that it's impossible to get back up. And that I might as well throw in the towel. And I might as well move on with my life. I'm here to tell you today that God is not done with you. If you've got breath in your body right now, then you've got a purpose. If you've got breath in your body right can I just say it like this? If they're not here in the house either, they've still got a plan. God's still got a plan for them. God's still got a purpose for them. I don't care if they're inside the walls or outside the walls. If they're still breathing, God still has a purpose. If they're still breathing, then there's still hope. He's not interested in whether or not you've got it all together. He's not interested in whether or not you're still hooked on drugs. He's not interested in whether or not you can't put down the crack pipe or whether or not you can't put down the bottle or whether or not you can't stay away from that one brother, that one sister over on the other side of town. I'm here to tell you that all God is looking for is for you to make the move to say, God, I can't do it on my own anymore. I need you, and I need you now. It's that simple. He's not looking for you to go through 12 steps to get your life together. He's not looking for you to put enough money in the plate to redeem your soul. All he wants to know.
is will you put it in my hands? All he wants to know is will you come to this altar, throw your hands in the air, and say, God, I'm done running. God, I'm done living life the way that I've been living. I'm here to encourage somebody. Don't you dare listen to the lies of the enemy that are screaming in your ears, telling you that you've messed up one too many times, telling you that you're no good enough for that church, and you're no good enough for that people, or you're not good enough for that God. Look at you. Look at what you've done with your life. Look at how lazy you've been. Look at how, how, how lukewarm you've been. There's no hope for you. God's timing is already gone past can I simply remind you today I said it earlier and I'll say it again Mary and Martha and everybody that was standing at that tomb of Lazarus were looking at the walls and were, were smelling the stench and they were remembering the good times because Lazarus had gone on and because Jesus hadn't shown up in time because Jesus hadn't made it made it work out the way that they were hoping that it would and in the time frame that they were hoping that it would his timing is perfect no 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 see see his timing doesn't coincide with our time because he lives outside of time time dwells in him so if he says it's time now then it's time now i know it seems four days late but that's the perfect time for a miracle. That's the perfect time for redemption. That's the perfect time for restoration. The devil loves nothing more than to get a child of God underneath his thumb and have them thinking that it's over and have them thinking that there's no hope and have them thinking that I can't, I can't make it another day. I can't be what God's called me to be because I've messed up too many times. I can't be a preacher because I've messed up too many times. I can't be a pastor's wife because I messed up too many times. I can't lead the choir. I can't play an instrument. I can't teach a Bible study. Those are the people that God is looking for right there. Peter... I know you cursed. I know you denied my name. I know you fell flat on your face. I know it seems like there's no hope, but I've got one question for you this morning. Do you love me? I'm not interested in your mistakes, Peter. I'm not interested in how many times you messed up. I'm not interested in whether or not you've got it all together. Just answer me this one question. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? It's not a question of whether or not he can still use my fragmented life. It's not a question of whether or not he can use my brokenness. It's not a question of whether or not he can still use me in my imperfections. It's not a question of whether or not the time has passed or I'm too late to be what God's called me to be. But the question is simply this. Are you willing to stop running? Are you willing to get back up on your feet and place it into the hands of God? Place your life, place your struggles, place your issues, place the things that aren't right in your life into his hands that's all he wants to know I don't care how many fish you have I don't care how much bread you have all I want to know is will you bring it to me that's all I want to know is will you bring it to me can I say it to you like this there was a little woman in the Old Testament that her and her son had just a little bit of flour and just a little bit of oil left. And the man of God came strolling up to her house and say, hey, I want you to go make me a cake. The woman's looking around thinking, I've only got just a little bit of, 
of oil and a little bit of bread left or flour left. She tells him, I, I, we, we were going to make a little bit of little cake and we were going to eat it ourselves and, and we were going to die. And the man of God says, go ahead and make me a cake first before you die. How insensitive is that? Just get done telling your sob story. First lady, I do that to people all the time. I don't know if I'm right or wrong. I do give people mercy, though. I try to be understanding. I don't want to know how much bread you have left or flour you have left. I don't want to know how much oil you have left. I just want to know, are you willing to give it to me? Are you willing to sacrifice the little bit that you have and give it to me? Because you see what happens is, is when you consume it, even though you've got a little bit left, when you consume it, the end result inevitably is death. The end result inevitably is that there's nothing left. And so there's no hope left. But at least if you could give it to the man of God, can I say it like this? If you could put it into the hands of the divine, if you can put it in the hands of somebody that knows how to handle a mess, if you can put it into the hands of somebody that knows how to handle just a few fish and just a few loaves, then I'm telling you that the, at, at the end of it, you'll have oil running over and you'll have more flour than you know what to do with why because that's the kind of God that we serve my God's not interested in people just consuming the last little cake and then dying he's not interested in you coming to one last service getting filled up and then sitting on a pew for the rest of your life he's not interested in that little bit He's not interested in that little bit that you have left that you want to consume on your own. He wants to know if you're going to give it to him. He's still in the miracle working business. Pastor Spalaza, I've been feeling what you've been feeling. I told First Lady last night that I felt like we needed to shift the service in a little bit of a different direction. I don't know who needs to hear this, but no miracle is outside of God's possibility. There is nothing that our God cannot do. I'm going to say it again until you receive it, until you believe it. There is nothing that your God cannot do. There is no sickness that he can't heal. There is no amount of money that he cannot provide. There is nothing that he cannot do. He still heals bodies. He still provides in the wilderness. He still opens doors. But he also mends broken hearts. He can provide for your physical needs easily. But he can also provide for your emotional needs. See, in the church, we don't talk about that. We don't talk about the emotional damage that, that past traumas and past mistakes have caused us. But God can fix those too. God can turn your sorrow. Yeah. He can turn your mourning into dancing. He can turn your sorrow into joy. He can turn those tears into a testimony. He can turn it around for you if you let him. He can fix it for you if you let him. See, we've got to get into the habit of calling things that are not as though they already were. See, this is, Jesus, this is, this is God's first revelation to us. Is that I am, and then he said, I am a creator. In the beginning, God, what? Created. He spoke things into existence that were not there. Ex nihilo, something from nothing. And if God is that way, and we are created in the image of God, 
and we have the Holy Ghost living inside of us, then there ought to be some times where we look in the mirror and say, I'm not there yet, but I'm on my way. <laughs> I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. I'm not perfect yet, but I'm pressing toward the mark. You ought to just look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm on my way to be what God's called me to be. I'm on my way to be everything that God has for me. Start calling things that aren't as though they already were. The door's already been opened. The way's already been made. I'm not saying name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, and just say it and hope that God does it and manifest it into the universe. But what I am saying is you ought to mix your faith with the Word of God. If God said it, then it's done. The only thing left is for you to receive it and believe that it's possible. Jesus caught, they, they, they caught the woman in the act. And they brought her to Jesus. And they threw her at his feet. Said, this woman's been sleeping around. This woman's a prostitute. We caught her. First of all, you caught her in the act. Where were you? That's another message for another time. But why were you anywhere near that? We caught her in the act. And Moses said, they pulled the Bible out on him. They said, hey, Grandpappy Moses said that she deserves to die. Because once a prostitute, always a prostitute. Once a druggie, always a druggie. They don't belong around here with us. <laughs> That's that us for and no more mentality. If you don't meet the standard, then babe, just go ahead and get out the way. That's not how the kingdom of God works. Can I just preach to some saints in the house right now? That's not how the kingdom of God works. If God left me where I was, then I wouldn't be here today. If I didn't have people around me, saints of God, first lady, if I didn't have you and Bishop holding my hand and say, it's okay, bub, you can do it. You can be everything God's called you to do. I know you messed up. I know you fell flat on your face, but go ahead and get back up. Go ahead and try again. You can do it. If I didn't have them, then where would I be? You ought to be the same thing for somebody walking through those doors. Hey, bro, I know you messed up, but don't worry about it. Go ahead and dust your feet off. Dust your shoulders off. God's still got a plan for you. God's still got a purpose for you. This isn't about us for and no more. This isn't about, well, if you can't measure up, then you'll never make it in the kingdom of God. This ain't about that. Baby, this is a hospital. This is where broken people come to get healed. And there ought to be a lot of people in this house picking people up and saying, hey, come on, you can rise up from that mistake. You can rise up out of your sin. You can rise up out of your issues, and you can be what God's called you to be. Hey, I know you don't look like it right now. I know you're broken right now. I know your life is a mess right now. But if you'll just hold on to the master, if you'll just put your life in the master's hand, then he'll work it out and he'll make something beautiful. You don't have to have it all together. When you come to God, all you need to do is grab my hand is grab my hand and come worship with me. All you need to do is come over to my house and have a Bible study. All you need to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That ought to be the position of the church. That ought to be... That ought to be 
That ought to be the mindset of the church. You can't do enough sin. You can't go enough places. You can't meet enough people to keep me from loving you. You can't fall down too many times for me to not associate with you. You can't mess up enough times for me to kick you down. That ought to be the position of the church. He tells the woman, or he tells the people, the men that are standing there, he says, he that is without sin, you got them stones in your hands, he said, go ahead and cast it. Go ahead. No, 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 no. If you have no sin, please. Now that's your question. If you're without sin, if you're perfect, then by all means, Fire away. And the only person, <laughs> the only person that was qualified to do it that day was the only person that was standing in between the two. That's the position of the church right there. I may be saved now. I may have my life together now. But I'm going to defend my brother. And I'm going to defend my sister. And I'll take up for the least of these. <laughs> he said, cast the first stone. You read in your Bible, it says they started dropping from their hands. From the oldest to the youngest. Started dropping. Why? Because they realized. I'm no better than she is. The only difference between me and her is that my life is in Jesus' hands. And her life is in her own hands. What should have happened that day is they should have brought that woman to Jesus and said, Hey, she messed up. But the same way that you healed me. And the same way that you made a way for me, I know you can do it for her. Will you lay your hands on her? Will you pray for her? Will you lift her up? None of this is even in my notes. That ought to be the position of the church. He looked at the woman and he, he said, do your accusers, where are they at? Where are thine accusers? He said, go and sin no more. Picked her up off the ground, out of the dirt, out of the miry clay. Picked her up from the dust, brushed her off and said, go sin no more. He restored her. He restored her. And he called something that wasn't as though it already was. Can I remind somebody in this place that if you're struggling, if you're on your last leg, if you're thinking that everybody's left and that you're no good and you're worthless, and nobody, nobody cares about you. Let me say this. First of all, you got to get out of the mentality that I'm in this for anybody. I don't come to church so that they can check my name off the box. I don't come to church so that I don't get a call from my bishop or from my parents. I don't come to church for you. I don't come to church for anybody. I don't come for a fashion show. I don't come to hear the latest song. 
I don't even come to hear the latest message or who's preaching. I came to get something from God. Yeah, yeah, this is about relationship. I came to commune with Jesus. Being a part of the body is a major part of it, but that's not why I'm here. I don't have, to, I don't have time to explain it. Please tell me you understand what I'm talking about. sees a young man struggling with identity issues. Jacob, Israel, struggling. And he calls him a prince. I'm a heel grabber. I'm Israel. He sees a Moses struggling with this identity. I'm a Hebrew. I'm an Egyptian. And he calls him to save his people. He calls something that isn't there yet. And he calls it as it should be. As it is in heaven, so let it be on the earth. Let me just remind you, if God could speak the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets into existence... And why can't he heal your broken heart? See, the reason this came about is because I was struggling with some things in my life. And I kept thinking, I refuse to pray. I'm human. was angry, refused to pray, because I knew if I prayed, then the bitterness would leave, and I knew if I prayed that the anger would leave, All he wants to know is will you put it in my hands? And will you stop running from me? Will you finally surrender your will? Will you finally surrender and place it in my hands? I don't know what your fish and what your bread looks like today. But I'm here to tell you that if you'll take it, you'll place it into the hands of Jesus. The one who formed you. See, his hands aren't man's hands. Man's hands hurt people. Man's hands cause war. The hands of man cause division. They call pain, cause pain. But the hands of Jesus... His hands multiply. His hands bless. His hands heal. We can stand in this house. I'm wrapping up. Why don't we just pray right now? Come on, somebody lift your voice right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. See, 
in those times of brokenness, and in those times of pain and hurt. I've been there. I, I said it, I'm human. I can remember years ago, I can remember praying that God would just bring somebody Just send somebody my way that understands. Would you please just send somebody who gets it. Who sees what I'm seeing. Who understands the way that I feel. I just, I need somebody to talk to. I need somebody that gets it. And nobody ever came. wanted to reach out to people. I wanted to find somebody and say, hey, how'd you get through this? How'd you handle this issue? How'd you overcome this? The problem is, is that when you put it in man's hands, it's corrupted. You can't help me out any better than the next person. First lady will tell you, she'll be the first to tell you. Why don't, why don't, why don't you just go pray about it? Because at the end of the day, I'm human. Yes, I've got the Holy Ghost and I can make some, some, some Holy Ghost judgments and I can, I can, I can use some wisdom. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm flesh. I'm human just like you. So if you, put, if you put your problems and your issues in my hands and in his hands and in, his, and, in their hands and, and you start telling everybody about what's going on in your life and you start trying to reach out to people and say, hey, would you pray for me? And man, this is going on. Or would you, would you do this and would you do that? The problem is, is that you're not putting it into the hands of the divine. Because when you put it in his hands, so I prayed, God, would you send somebody? He never sent anybody. And I felt like it was as clear as day. God spoke the simple word into my, my, my mind. He said, put it in my hands. Just put it in my hands. This is what I'm going to end with. I've done my best to build faith. I've done my best to help, to help us realize that there's still hope and that God can still do it. I hope I did. But that the, at the end of the day, you have to make the choice. At the end of the day, you have to decide do I give him these fish and this fish and bread? No matter how small it is, how insignificant you think that it is, that fish, that bread is the key to unlocking the miraculous. So the longer that you hold on to it, the longer that the miracle waits. And it only lasts for so long. So I've got a question for us today, and that's simply this. Will you put it in his hands this morning? I'm talking about the anger. I'm talking about the bitterness. I'm talking about the, the things that they said about you and the, the things that they did and how you were treated as a child. And 
when your dad left, it left a hole. And when, it, when your mom did that, it, it left you twisted. And I just want to know. He just wants to know. Will you put it in my hands today? Will you put it in my hands today? These altars are open. I invite you to come down to this front. Come on, somebody lift your hands in this place. Come on, somebody lift your hands in this place. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, the choice is yours this morning. Are you going to hold on to that fish and bread? Are you going to hold on to that bitterness? Are you going to hold on to that anger? Are you going to hold on to what they said and what they did? Are you going to hold on to, to the things that seem like they're lost? Or will you place it into the master's hand? Or will you place it into the hands of Jesus? Come on, saints, there are people all over this house. There are people all over this house reaching right now. The name of Jesus, Lord, I am. Oh, that's 